Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. Welcome in. It's the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. My name is Patrick Allen. I'm here with Matt Verderam, as always. Matt, we got some new reviews for the, the podcast this week. People are saying really nice things about us. That's good. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that somebody is because my family's over after a long period of quarantine and uh, nobody's saying any nice things about me here. So I'm, I'm glad to hear. <laughs> you got a, You got a few days to, uh, to to make up some ground. So I want to kick us off with some of the reviews in particular, because the, the first one that we got from uh, Milt H back on December 10th, it, the subject is peanut butter. And, and as, as anyone who listens to this podcast knows, uh, we like to listen to to we like to listen to people talk about peanut butter. We like to eat peanut butter. Um, we'll take it any way we can get it. He says, uh, "Old smoky Tennessee whiskey is great and smooth. Just a sip with ice." My wife hates whiskey generally speaking, but loves this. Verderam, I, I know you're not a big drinker, but are you are, peanut butter whiskey? Are you? Is this something you're on board with? I would I would absolutely be on board. I've never had it, but now I really want it. Um... So yeah, a hundred percent. Any, like you said at the top, anything peanut butter, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to at least give it a shot. <laughs> Another one came in from our, our guy, Clint McKenzie, uh, fins down. He wrote Patrick and Matt are the Reese's peanut butter cups of podcasting. Unquestionably the greatest of all time. I, I don't know what to say about this one. Incredibly flattering. Um, just even to be in the same breath as Reese's is, uh, is humbling. But uh, yeah, I, I think Clint's, Clint's being way too generous, but thank you. Um, and now I just want to reach his peanut butter cups. So. Clint says uh, he wants to know if the Chiefs, uh, if, if, if you were guaranteed the Chiefs would appear in and win the next nine Super Bowls, wow. would you be willing to eat only protein bars covered with ketchup every meal for the rest of your lives? Oh, my God. Uh, I love the Chiefs. No. No, there. I would. Uh, I need more variety in life. I, I think I'm hoping the Chiefs can get a few on their own without me having any ketchup bars for the rest of my life. And now that sounds like a, that sounds like uh, Patrick Mahomes' fever dream. Uh, yeah. But for me, no, I got to pass. <laughs> I don't know, too. You know that um, I, I, maybe ketchup has some vitamin C in it, but you could get scurvy eating like that. Can you imagine getting scurvy? It's not, it's not good. And not, not being good. on a pirate ship. 
I got I got a pass on that. I, I don't think I could go <laughs> quite that far. Um, we got another one from uh, Chris Ross uh, says, great, truly one of the best football podcasts. Since I'm working from home seemingly forever, this is indispensable. A question, what football books, and this is a, this is a you question all the way, Bertram, what football books would you recommend to educate me as a fan watching the game, schematics, analysis, et cetera? Okay, so that's a really good question. Um, I have a few on my bookshelf. First of all, this isn't as this one isn't a schematic one. The other one, I, I promise, I'll get to a few. Um, America's Game by Michael McCambridge is the best football book ever written, in my opinion. Um, it's it's so incredibly detailed about the history of football. So I think it just kind of gives you a base level knowledge of everything and how things kind of unfolded. Also, if it matters to you. He's also a diehard Chiefs fan from birth. So um, I didn't know that when I bought the book but it's, it's a great book. As far as a couple others uh, that are scheme driven. So one of them is written by a friend of mine, Doug Farrar, who writes over at USA Today, does great work. It's called The Genius of Desperation, The Schematic Innovations That Made the Modern NFL. Um, it's a great book and it's really easily understandable. Um, I, I think that's a, that's a book that that if you want to learn about scheme is a great one. Another one written by Tim Layden who's worked at SI forever that I own blood, sweat, and chalk. And it it breaks down all these different schemes. Um, I would, I would recommend those too. Uh, And then there's a million of them out there, but I've read those and they're great. And like I said, America's game is not about scheme. It's just about the history of the the sport uh, by Michael McCambridge, but it's fantastic. And so I, I would, I, those three books, but the, like I said, the last two, Blood, Sweat, and Chalk by Tim Layden and The Genius of Desperation, The Schematic Innovations That Made the Modern NFL by Doug Farrar. I think that you can't go wrong. Excellent recommendations. Uh, we get another comment from, uh, he's on a, a Twitter at, at Mel, Melton Bates one I really enjoy the show, not only because you talk about the KC Chiefs, but because you talk about all the teams equally. And I heard Matt talking about his father. Your father's in town, actually, visiting, as you mentioned. Uh, And and, uh, I heard about Matt talking about how Matt and his father talk about the game. Well, I'm a little different. I married into the Chiefs. I married a farm girl from Northwest Missouri, and it was October of 87. I know how you feel. That's that's awesome. Congratulations on a, uh, uh, a long and healthy marriage. I was born in 83, so... Not just saying that to make you feel bad, but but you know, I was I was around. And Verdam, you're a bit younger than me. So I was born in eighty eight. Um yeah. it's uh well at least you got in at pretty much the right time. Like right after that, Schottenheimer came in, they were good for a while. I mean, yes, the the pain then starts, but um I mean you can't yeah, at least you didn't come in in like nineteen seventy two and then just watch absolute garbage for about twenty straight years. Yeah, yeah, but old enough to remember them not drafting Dan Marino or Jim Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> um, another one, uh, five stars because I couldn't pick six from Ephus. You guys are too kind. Must listen to every episode and a long overdue, well-deserved five-star review. I could probably listen to Matt Breakdown. You need to show this to your wife. I could probably listen to Matt Breakdown, a midseason WNBA game. Hey, WNBA is great. Pineapple on pizza should negatively, should negatively affect someone's credit score, though. Yes. Yeah. First, first of all, thank you for, I mean, it's a, a flattering, uh, 
Mark, you do not want to listen to me break down a WNBA game because I I don't think I've ever watched a WNBA game. No disrespect to WNBA. I just I don't think I've ever I know I know like the teams that I know some of the best players in the league. You know, but that that's about as far as I go. So if somebody was like, "Hey, what do you think of the Connecticut Sun?" I have no idea. But you I'm have sure it's written fair. about the WNBA. You wrote a great article a few years back about uh, whether or not the New York Liberty could beat the Knicks just to just to no, troll no, Knicks I wrote, fans. I wrote whether or not the Knicks could beat the Liberty. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and that's right. It infuriated. I wrote about five years ago. So for anyone who doesn't know, I am a I am a Knicks fan. I grew up in New York, which I'm sure you could tell from my voice. I'm a diehard Knicks fan. They suck. They've sucked for 20 years. So I just said, you know what? I'm going to have some fun with it. Could the Knicks beat the Liberty? And obviously, it's not a commentary on men on women. It's more commentary on size. And and so I wrote about, you know, basically I wrote that, no, I don't think they could. I think the Liberty would, would outflank them. And I, by the way, I, I honestly got them to the point I believe it. Um, and I had so many people who are just like full-on mouth breathers in the comment section are like, what are you, an idiot? They lose by 100 points. It was, it was great. It, it's second to my article where I wrote that like, Tim Tebow in his first at-bat with the Mets minor league club hit a home run. And I wrote that because he was a Heisman Trophy winner and he hit a home run in his first at-bat, uh, that he's a better two-sport athlete than Michael Jordan. And people just lost their minds. It was clearly a joke. It was a complete troll job. And the best part was like Tim Tebow's publicist saw it. And I ended up interviewing Tebow off the story, but uh, yeah, had a few good ones over the years that it really enraged the masses. Uh, and the last one from Jalen B860. Great podcast. Keep it up. Verderam has funny takes on the Chiefs too. Question If the Chiefs do make it to Super Bowl 55, which NFC team would you be most afraid of for the Chiefs? And which team would just be the best matchup for Super Bowl ratings? Also, about the little indicator on the gas tank gauge, which is something we discussed on the last episode or two episodes ago about how yep. Verderam and I didn't know that there was an indicator to tell you where your gas cap was on the on the the gas the gas gauge. So I honestly never noticed it until like a year ago when my brother mentioned it to me. I was shocked when I first found out. So we're changing lives out there. Next time these people are renting a car, Good. they don't have to get out and look. They can just look at their dashboard. Who would have thought? All right. So yep. which which NFC matchup scares you in the Super Bowl the most? And which one would be best for ratings? All right, so the easier one is the ratings. The Packers would be the best for the ratings because it would be Mahomes and Rodgers, the two MVP candidates, two best quarterbacks in football. And Green Bay, despite being a small town, has a huge fan base. So I think that, that would be – and it's a rematch of Super Bowl one. all that. It would be just absolutely through the roof bonkers if those two teams play each other. I'll tell you right now, too, I was actually just talking about this with my dad yesterday. This Super Bowl is going to have the highest rating by a mile. Why? Because there aren't Super Bowl parties happening as nearly as much this year with COVID. So everybody's going to be at home tuning in. Where normally you'd have 10 people watching one TV, you're going to have 10 people on like eight TVs. It's going to be an unbelievable number. That's crazy. Um, so I think Chiefs Packers. And then as far as the toughest matchup, I think it's the Rams, but I don't think they're going to play the Rams. So I don't think the Rams are going to get there because the Rams defense is the best in the NFL right now. It's really, really good. I talked about this extensively on Stacking the Box, which I hope you'll go listen to. It's a podcast I've done for a few years nationally. Uh, you know, I cover the whole league. And, and on Wednesday, our latest episode, we had Nick Wright on from Fox Sports 1, who, of course, came up through Kansas City, grew up there, had, had Chiefs season tickets, a dire Chiefs fan. And we talked a lot about this. And Nick and I agree the Rams 
are the toughest matchup because of the way they play defense. Um, I I think the Saints are an interesting team too. They're very good defensively. They've got weapons, but I, I think the Rams would be the toughest. I just don't think the Rams get there because I think the Rams are going to have to go at least two games on the road, probably three. And I I just I don't think Goff's doing it. We're going to find out about the Saints uh, in our game preview coming up in just a minute. I agree with you on the Packers, definitely the best for ratings, but I actually think the Packers would be the toughest matchup for the Chiefs. The Rams do have an absolutely outstanding defense and very they're very competent offense with some really good players, but I think they're going to have a little bit of trouble running the ball, and I just think this is this is Aaron. Aaron Rodgers is on a mission this season. He They were very good last year, and he wants to get that second ring, so I would be afraid to take on one of the great quarterbacks of all time. Okay, we're going to take our first break. And on the other side, we will preview the Saints game. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. All right, we are back. Uh, it's time to talk about a pretty big game for, for, for the Chiefs this week. It's probably not the most important game left remaining on their schedule. And we'll talk about why a little bit later. But it's certainly a good litmus test game. It's a it's a crowd pleaser game. You've got two really outstanding teams in the Chiefs at 12 and 1 and the Saints at 10 and 3. The Chiefs are going down to New Orleans at this game. Uh, they're they're going in a slight favorite. Uh, they're being given three points, which normally on on the road, if they think it's about even, they'll give the home team about three points, right, Verdram? Right. So, so this game, the Chiefs slight favorite and an over under of 51.5. So I'm going to run through this injury report really quickly. Uh, and then we'll get into the meat of this. So did not practice for the Chiefs yesterday uh, on Wednesday. Mike Remmers, he's got a back and a neck. Eric Fisher on the injury report dealing with a back issue. Not what you want to see uh, at all. Um, have you heard anything on Fish, Bertram? I have, and I'm not going to. I usually on Wednesdays, I don't dig on these reports just because so many guys sometimes get a day off. It's a little, but if, if he doesn't uh, practice today, then I'll start to dig. But no, I haven't. And notable. So I, I put this on here. He, Tyreek Hill, he was a full participant in practice. Um, but I wanted to put this on here because he he's listed as having a, a hamstring injury. And he, the last couple games, he's grabbed at his hamstring a couple times, scaring the crap out of me. And I just wanted to note it. He's again, he's a full participant in practice. So they probably don't think it's too serious, but right. hamstrings and wide receivers are bad news, right? Can be. Yeah. Not, not, not what we want to see. Uh, so hopefully he's okay. And he's, he's not straining that too much because it can keep them out for multiple weeks and really kind of derail a season, especially if you're Sammy Watkins or Julio Jones, those guys hamstrings all the time. Um, but hopefully Tyreek's going to be okay on the saints. Defensive tackle Malcolm Brown's out with a shoulder and calf. Starting guard Nick Easton, good player for them, has got a concussion. So that's touch and go. Whenever someone's in the concussion protocol, oftentimes right. they can come back and play the next week, but it's just they've got to take care of the player. So we'll see. We 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 hope that his, his head is fine and he's out there on the field. Uh, and Michael Thomas, who was back, he's playing last week. He was out of practice on Wednesday, most likely precautionary. He's been limited in Wednesday practices the last couple of weeks. Uh, he's got an ankle issue, but he's obviously still sore. So that's, he's been banged up all year. Um, big threat for them. Okay, let's get into the game. So the big question heading into the week, 
are the Chiefs going to be facing Drew Brees or are they going to be facing Taysom Hill? So Sean Payton said this week that Brees has, uh, now if, you, if you're not up to date on, Brees had like a number of broken ribs, a ridiculous number of broken ribs and a punctured lung on a hit that really didn't look that bad to me a few weeks back. But I mean, his ribs broke. So when a, when a very large man falls on top of you, it doesn't need to necessarily look, look too bad. Um, so a lot of people were projecting that Breeze would be back for this game. And Peyton said Breeze has a ways to go. Uh, and that lines up with a report from Adam Schefter from Sunday that the, that the team wouldn't rush Breeze back. Now, Peyton also said, we're not, we're not, you know, we're not ruling him out because we don't have to, which, which makes sense. Bertram, do you think this is Peyton trying to play a strategy game, trying to force the Chiefs to prepare for two quarterbacks who very different styles, or is he being honest and just breezes banged up and they're not going to rush him back for this game? Peyton's usually a pretty straight shooter. Look, I, I don't think it matters. Like if you're Peyton, I, I understand people always talk about this. Like, well, you know, you're making them prepare for both guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Like the Chiefs, uh, Steve Spagnuolo seen Drew Brees in his career. Like he understands the Saints bring to the table. So, I don't, I don't necessarily think that it's that big of a deal for the Chiefs. I, I, I mean. Yeah, maybe it's a little extra work, but so what? You know, I think, look, Breeze had 11 rib fractures and a collapsed lung. Like, and by the way, uh, Spagnuolo worked for the Saints for a year in 2012 as a defensive coordinator. So he's been in that building. He understand. I mean, they, they haven't changed a ton. Personnel's changed a little bit, but Breeze and Peyton in that offense are still the exact same. Um, I, I don't think it really matters. In terms of the Chiefs' preparation, yes, it would be a little different. You're going to play a lot more zone to take some hill. You're going to play more man with Breeze. But the Chiefs switch it up anyway. Look, the Saints cannot afford for Breeze to come back and hurt again and be out another five, six weeks. They just can't. They're not winning playoff games with Taysom Hill. It's not going to happen. So they need to do what's best. They're going to win their division. All they need to do is win one more game. That is going to happen. Uh, they lost last week. So – I actually think that helps the case to play Taysom Hill, and here's why. By losing last week, they dropped from the one to the two seed. Okay, the Packers usurped them by via the head-to-head tiebreaker. Green Bay has three games left that it's going to be favored in in all these games. They play the the Panthers at home on Saturday. They play at – excuse me, they play home week 16. Sunday night football against the Titans, which is their toughest game. Then they're at the Chicago week 17. Packers went out, they're the one seed. If you're the Saints and you had won last week and you were still the one, then I could see them going, look, if we get Breeze back, we can win this game against Kansas City, then we're the one seed. Now it's like, well, even if we win this game, we're still not the one seed, and we very well might lose a Breeze anyway. So I expect that Hill's going to play. I don't know that for sure. No inside information, just from what you, you hear, what you talk about. I, I, think, I think they're going to play Hill – and I think Breeze is going to come back on Christmas when they play the Vikings in five days. So I, that's the other part of this. If you play Breeze against the Chiefs, then he's got to play again on a short turnaround in five days. I don't know that – I, I would guess that they're going to play him on Christmas, give him a couple of days extra off, then play him week 17, go into the playoffs. We'll see, but that seems to be the general line of thinking. Now, the Saints are obviously a, a good team. Um but in the last four weeks with, with Taysom Hill as their starter, uh, five weeks, actually, uh, pardon me, they've beaten the Falcons twice, the Broncos, and then they have lost to 
the Philadelphia Eagles last week, starting a quarterback in his first start. Um, so with Taysom Hill, here's the numbers, okay? He's 82 of 114. This is just in his starts. 82 of 114 for 834 yards. He has four touchdowns, two interceptions, 39 rushes for 209 yards, four rushing touchdowns. This is a game where, for me, you got to keep him in the pocket and make him throw between the 20s because the Chiefs, we've as we've well documented on this podcast, are complete garbage in the red zone right now. They can't stop anybody from scoring a touchdown. If the Saints get down into the red zone with and they've got Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara in the backfield, forget it. They're scoring a touchdown, almost certainly, right? Um, is that you? Is that Vernon? You think that's the way to play this guy? Is try to keep him in the pocket and try to force him to throw the ball outside? Yes. Um, the Eagles were typically a man-heavy team. Played almost exclusively zone the entire game against Hill, and said, "Go ahead, big boy, throw it, beat us, throw it in the coverage." Uh, and it worked. It worked. You look at his box score, and he had a nice game. If you watch the actual film, he was mostly terrible to three and a half quarters. I, if, if you are the Chiefs, and this is counter to everything I've said the last couple of months, pass rush is not that important in this game. You want to keep him in the pocket. You've got to stay in your pass rush lanes, make him throw the ball. You do not want him running around and creating with his legs. That's when you get in trouble in this game. It's not to say he can't make a play with his arm. It's not to say he's never going to beat you with his arm, but you want him in the pocket throwing the football. He's most dangerous when he breaks contain and then obviously can throw on the run or he can just take off at the ball. Um, yeah, it, it's it's very important that Kansas City plays disciplined football here. He has not gone deep a lot. He will throw the ball occasionally down the field, but he's more about the short passing game. So I think, yeah, if you're the Chiefs, it's all all about saying, okay, Taysom, we respect your legs. Be us with your arm. Do you think having experience playing Lamar Jackson this year helps Kansas City against a guy like Hill with a similar skill set? Yeah, yeah, I do. I actually almost just invoked uh, Lamar in that conversation. Yes, I do. Because with Lamar, again, it's not about pass rush with him. It's about keeping him in the pocket, making him throw the football. Now, the Saints have better weapons than the Ravens do, okay? They have Michael Thomas who can get open. I know he missed yesterday's practice. We'll see. He's been dealing with an ankle injury all year long. We'll see if that's real or if it's maintenance. Um, the one thing the Saints have struggled with this year, they have great tackles. Teron Armstead, Ryan Ramchek, arguably the best tackle duo in the NFL. They're not great inside. Easton, as you mentioned, dealing with the concussion. Andres Pete this year has struggled. You can bully them inside, and that's where Chris Jones come in, comes in because I don't care how mobile you are, and I, I bring this up because he did this against Baltimore as well. Jones sacked Jackson in that game. He was all over him. That's the one way you can pressure a mobile quarterback is right up the gut. Because if you get out, if you get too far up the field outside, you know the mobile quarterback will duck inside the tackle, and it's it's an escape route. If you're coming straight up the field at a guy, one of two things happens: either he's got to unload the ball slash get sacked, or he's got to run backwards first, not laterally. And so if he's got to run backwards, that screws up the integrity of the pocket. And then your outside edge rushers can fan out and force him either out of bounds or even further back. So 
that's something to keep an eye on. But yes, having played Jackson uh, helps. And even not that he's a run first quarterback now, but he is very mobile. Having played Josh Allen helps because you have to rush him in a disciplined way, a lot like Mahomes, where if you know if you rush Mahomes in an undisciplined fashion, he'll beat you, get outside the structure. So yeah, the Chiefs have played some guys like that. I do think it helps. You know, I feel like that's exact. like rushing in an undisciplined fashion is exactly what got the Cleveland Browns into trouble on Monday Night Football. If you watch that game, it was, it was an incredible game, but yes. they they were out of position. They obviously have got Miles Garrett. We know they can rush faster, but they were out of position a number of times and they got burned on it. All right. I want to talk about the Saints defense, but before that, I just want to kind of, this is a, Look, they're 10 and three. They've got a very strong defense. They've got weapons on offense. This is a good football team. So I just want to preface all that. But when you look at the schedule that the Saints have had, I get major Pittsburgh Steelers vibes from the schedule. There are a couple schedules this year where teams have just like the Chiefs have been through, been through it. They played some really good teams. They played Tampa Bay, they played Baltimore, they played Buffalo. When you look at the Saints schedule, They've beaten Tampa Bay twice. We know Tampa Bay is a good team. They lost to Vegas. They lost to Green Bay. 37 to 30, but they lost to them. Then they beat the Lions, the Chargers in overtime, the Panthers, the Bears, the 49ers, who are just a mess, the Falcons twice, the Broncos, and they lost to the Eagles. Has this team really been tested by a really top quality team? Well, the two big wins they have are Tampa. And they, they destroyed Tampa. Destroyed them two times over. Um, like you said, the other teams they've played that have winning records, Green Bay, Las Vegas, they lost. Now, those are early in the year. See, this is why, for me, it's hard to really get a gauge because – those games are so early that it's like, well, did they lose those because they're early or did they lose those because they, they struggle against better teams? I don't know. Um, you're right in the sense, look, they have beaten, other than Tampa, I mean, they've beaten absolutely nobody week in and week out. Atlanta's terrible. Denver's terrible. The Niners are terrible. The Bears are not good. Carolina's terrible. The Chargers, they, they probably should have lost, although the Chiefs could say the same thing. Awful. Detroit's awful. The two wins are the Tampa Bay games, and they were dominant. 34-23 in week one, although it was even more of a dominating performance than that would lead you to believe. And 38-3, which was an absolute shelling. Um, even though, ironically, in that game, like, Breeze only threw for 222, and Taysom Hill led them in rushing, which is a bizarre game. But I think the Saints are very good. I think they're better than Pittsburgh. I will say this about the Saints. I think if you're looking for a weakness, I just think they're very limited right now, quarterback, whether it's Hill or Breeze. Breeze just does not throw the ball down the field anymore. That's the same thing I've been saying about Roethlisberger all year long. Taysom Hill, he's not built to have a robust passing game. So I do think you get into a little bit of that. Um, that said, I think they're similar to Pittsburgh in the way they play, quick passing game, uh, very good defense. The difference in why I think they are better, they can really run the ball. Kamara can run the ball. Latavius Murray can run the ball. Pittsburgh can't run the ball for a foot. And I, don't, I think Roethlisberger is more washed up than Breeze. But listen, um, you know, not to give away the whole thing, the, the Chiefs are the better team. The Chiefs are better. Uh, but the Saints, I, I do think, are good. Are they as good as this record? Eh, 
I think I think it's close. You know, maybe they're only a nine and four team, something like that against a normal record, but or a normal slate. But uh, I, I definitely see the point. They match up really well with Tampa, so they they've beaten the doors off them twice. But other than that, yeah, it's questionable. And, and this may not be fair. You can say this about any team. Every NFL team is going to have close games, but these guys have two overtime victories. They're 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 they went to overtime with the Bears and the Chargers and won. They're two overtime losses away from being eight and five. So. True. Just some perspective, right? Um, you know, the Chiefs could be, but you know, the Chiefs are twelve and one. So maybe the Chiefs have lost a couple, but they're still, you know, really excellent team. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I'm worried about the stopping the run with these guys. Alvin Kamara scares the crap out of me. He's so sure. good. <laughs> He's so good. And when you when you throw in Taysom Hill's ability to run. It, it, it sets up for me as one of those games where the Chiefs have to execute on offense. They have to, they have to, they have to, because this is a team with a with a with a veteran head coach, a very good head coach, who can just milk the crap out of the clock on you because they'll just, you know, he'll drop back, won't nobody will be open. Chris Jones will just miss him. We'll get a hand on his jersey and I'll scramble and get a first down. And Alvin Kamara will rip off a 20 yard run. And then, you know, and then Mahomes is sitting on the sideline. So that the monkey business that the, the chiefs dealt with last week against the, the dolphins who could not run the ball. Everybody's hurt. Right. If they do that this week, they're going to lose. Uh, yeah, they will. And they can, they have multiple guys. And Kamari also leads them in receiving, by the way. Like, he has 723 rushing yards on 4.7 yards in attempts, which is terrific, and 10 touchdowns. He also has 77 receptions for 699 yards and four touchdowns. So, he's a problem. He's pretty damn good. You know, their passing game, other than that, has not been crazy. You know, now Michael Thomas missed time. Okay, he's only played seven games, just 438 yards. He's on pace for about 1,000 yards. He's in a normal year. Um, nowhere near what he did last year, and he set the all-time receptions record. And then Emmanuel Sanders is is an older guy, but he's still pretty good. Eleven games played, five hundred four yards. You know, he's still a factor. The tight end and eh, Jared Cooks on his last legs. Um, they don't have a third receiver that scares you. Quan Smith, four hundred twenty-three yards, whatever. Um, but Kamara's a beast. Latavius Murray, he has five hundred eighty-one rushing yards, four and a half yards of carry, and then there's Hill. 395 yards, five and a half yards of carry. Now, the one thing with Hill, and I and believe me, Spagnolo has been saying this all week long. He fumbles the ball a lot. He has fumbled seven times, and he's lost half of those, three of them. Um, Taysom Hill does lose the ball. And I guarantee all week, Steve Spagnolo has been saying if he takes off, rip at the ball. If you get a shot, if you get a shot to sack him, rip at the football. He will cough it up. I mean, seven fumbles is a lot of fumbles. When you consider between his passing attempts and his rushes, he's only had 192 handles. So I'm doing the math in my head quick, but that's a fumble about every 27, 28 times he has the ball in his hands. There's a good chance he's going to fumble once or twice in this game. So rip at him. Go after him. Um, The Camaro's an – look – if they stop Kamara, they'll win this game. They'll win. This whole game has to be about – and to me, if I'm the Chiefs, because you're not as worried about getting pass rush here, I'm going heavy up front. A lot of Nadia and Pinnell, 
I'm moving Jones around. I put Jones outside, put him inside. I go some bare front, which if you don't know what bare front is, it just means a hat on a hat up front. Five down linemen lined up straight over each of the offensive linemen. Um, it's very good against the run. It's not as good against the pass, but I'm not as worried about the pass if he'll play. So I'm playing a lot. I'm doing a lot of run blitzes, a lot of run fits. Um, because if you can limit Kamara and you can get Hill into second and third and long, I think you're in really good shape. Also, one note has to be said, nobody has been penalized for more yardage than the Saints this year. The Saints have been penalized for more yardage than anyone in the league. That Ironically, the Chiefs have been penalized more than the Saints. The Chiefs have been penalized second most in the league only to Arizona. But the Saints have been penalized for the most yardage in the NFL by a pretty wide margin. So something to keep in mind, uh, they get grabby, a lot of interference calls, a lot of big penalties, something the Chiefs have got to try to take advantage of. All right, we're going to get into our keys of the game, and we're going to take a look at the AFC playoff picture. And, of course, we're going to have our game predictions right after this break. This is the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. All right, we are back. Thank you for your patience with the breaks. That was it. That was the last one we're going to take. So you're with us the rest of the way. Okay, so you were talking about Alvin Kamara before the break, and you talked about how much passing yardage he has for them. And that's a really interesting point because the Saints are really good at running the ball. They're not as great. They're below average in, in throwing the ball this year as far as passing yards go. Who do you put on Kamara in this game? Are you are you is it Willie Gay? Do you want you want Matthew on him? Me personally? Uh I'd put Willie Gay on him, but they're not gonna do that because they are just not gonna play Willie Gay this year. They're not. They're not gonna do it. If they didn't do it when Damian Wilson was hurt. They're not doing it now. And I know he's still out, but like, I'll tell you who I'm not putting on him and who I have a deep seated fear the Chiefs are going to put on him is Ben Neiman. And oh, I will God. tell you right now, my head will explode. If they keep lining up and it's just Ben Neiman going in motion with Alvin Kamara, my, I'm going to lose my mind. I think it's going to be a mixture of Neiman and Dan, Dan Sorensen, which is not great. And I like Dan a lot, but Dan's not built to guard Alvin Kamara one on one. No, I, no, no. I would. I would put Willie Gay on him, but they're not going to play Willie Gay as, as history has shown. So then it, my other answer would be to, I would put Tyron Matthew on him. I would. I would absolutely do it. He is the best player they have. Like Now, maybe, look, I, I do have faith, as much as I say that, I do have faith in Spagnuolo. Well, I do think he's a very good coordinator. I just think sometimes they try to play Sorensen and Neiman in these matchups to get advantageous ones other places. But I, I do wonder in this game if Spags just says, look, he is not beating us. I don't care what we have to do. He is not going to beat us in this game. I would I would put Gay on him first and then Matthew if need be. I don't think they'll play Gay. Um, so, yeah, I'd go Honey Badger. But I have a feeling they're going to be like, no, we're not doing that. It's going to be Neiman and Sorensen. And I think that's going to happen for about the first quarter. And Kamara's going to have about 80 yards. And then they're going to go, all right, you know what, never mind. We'll switch out of it. Um, but here's the hoping that they just go with Matthew right away. Yeah, just put – I would tell Matthew, look, man, take this guy out of the game. Take him out of the game. And Juan Thornhill, he's been looking a little better back there. He's a ball like hawk. better. Right? And this is a team that you're not – Michael Thomas is a Hall of Fame receiver. But he's not a guy who's going to be taking the top off your, your defense. He's a possession guy. He's going to catch a million balls. he eat you up underneath. I get, who do they have? Sanders maybe is going to try to get deep on you. I, I feel okay with Juan Thornhill and Emmanuel Sanders. Like 
bring Matthew down the box. I'll tell you, you know who I'd love to have for this game is Eric Berry. In his prime, Eric Berry would be fantastic. Yeah. I mean, he'd be fantastic in any game, but in this game in particular with Kamara, he'd be he'd be great to have. Um, by the way, just as an aside, did you ever hear anything about like was he just totally cooked? Because I saw you know, a report yeah. like last offseason that was like, oh, he planned to sit out a year and he was going to come back this year. Right. But then of course, COVID's happening and he's a cancer survivor. So, like, do you think we'll ever see him step on the football field again? No, no. Um I have tried, in full disclosure, repeatedly to get the story on this and to write the story on this. And it, it just, it's, it's not been an easy thing. I think my, my general feeling is that he would like to play again, but I, I don't think there's mutual interest. And I, and I wonder with him, look, he, he's such a smart guy. He's such a, a well-rounded individual. You know, he, he always, you know, he wrote, you know, I believe it was uh, screenplays and whatnot when he was with the Chiefs. You know, he, he was really into all that kind of thing. I, Eric Berry is, I don't want to say one of the rare football players because then that makes it sound like I'm slamming other football players. Maybe one of the rare individuals. It's just, I don't think he's defined by what he does for a living. He just, he just, he was great at football, but there's so much more to Eric Berry than that. Like, Eric Berry, to me, will never get the proper due he deserves because he didn't win that Super Bowl with them. He was on a team that was good for a long time, but they never got there. He had some injuries. I will I will argue forever. And I'll argue anybody. Eric Berry just should be in the Hall of Fame. He is one of the singular talents I've ever seen play the, play the game at safety. I would take Ed Reed. I'd take Troy Palomalu. I don't know that I think anybody else have ever watched play safety over him. Now, obviously, if you're going back, you know, Ronnie Lott, Rod Woodson, short. But, I mean, he's, to me, he's right there with Cam Chancellor. He, he's right there with the Tyron Matthew, who both, to me, are Hall of Fame level players. Bob Sanders. It, yeah, I mean, Bob Sanders didn't do it long enough, but Bob Sanders was excellent when he, when he played. Yeah, I mean, hmm. like, to me, Eric Berry was such a force of nature. Um I really like there are guys that it pains me that they didn't win. Derek Thomas, Jamal Charles, Eric. I got very certainly one of them. I don't think he'll ever play again. Now, two years out of the league, all those injuries. I think he's, I think he's probably at the end of the line in the NFL. Yeah. Not to go too much on a tangent, but it's just, it's been strange. I think because we just haven't heard anything from him. Uh, Yeah. It's been radio silence. Uh, So I, you know, I wish him the best, whatever he's doing out there. I hope he's, he's happy and fulfilled. Uh, when you get a second chance from cancer, I'm sure anybody out there listening who, who has gone through that. Um, I haven't, thank goodness, a family member who has, and, uh, as most of us have, and it's a, a life changing, even for the people who are just, who love you and who are connected to you, it changes your life and the way you think about things. And I'm sure it, it did. So for, for Eric as well. All right, let's talk about the saints defense. Cause that is where, even though they've got some really great weapons on offense, that that is the strength of this team this year. So the Saints defense is number two in yards allowed. They're, they're averaging 298 yards per game given up. It's fantastic in this era of the NFL. They're number four in points allowed with an average of 20.4 points per game. Number four in passing yards per game with 209 per game. And number two in rushing yards allowed with 89 per game. So 
They haven't played murderers row of offenses. They, they played Aaron Rodgers, put up 37 on them. And then we talked about the, the, the bucks who we've documented on this podcast, you get pressure on Tom Brady and he, it turns into a tire fire. And that's exactly what the saints were able to do. How do you see the saints defense matching up with the Kansas city juggernaut offense in this game? Verderam? I'm going to sound like a total homer. I don't because I don't think anybody can stop them. I really don't like I Look, the Saints are very good defensively. Those numbers, and I went through this because I do that stacking or I do that stats column every week for us on Wednesdays. Um, it's skewed because they played a team with no quarterback one week, so they just played a team that like literally could not move the ball at all. Right. For a, it's like getting you know it's like throwing a zero in the averages. Well, yeah, it's going to make them all. But now that said, the Saints have been very good. Now I don't I don't want to knock them. The Saints have been excellent this year defensively. Okay, they started out a little slow first month of the year. They weren't as good. But you you look at them after their bye week, which is week six. Here are the point totals they've given up. 24, 23, 3, 13, 9, 3, 16, 24. They're good defensively. They're very good defensively. I know, like you mentioned, and you're right, not exactly murderers row. Teddy Bridgewater, Nick Foles, Brady, Mullins, Matt Ryan twice has been awful the last six weeks. Denver didn't even have a quarterback, and then Jalen Hurts. Like, I, I get it. And that's why I both respect the Saints defensively, and I also think Mahomes is going to go berserk in this game because, look, the Saints, they got some guys up front. Here's a name you need to know that you may not know because he's really kind of blossoming here in, as, a, uh, as a pass rusher. Trey Hendrickson has 10 and a half sacks this year. Been really good. It's been really good. Cam Jordan, who you should know, has six and a half. A little bit of a down year for him. Kind of like Frank Clark. Like, better than those numbers would suggest. He's a real true star. But he just hasn't had that that real great year that he's used to having. So, those are their two DNs. They're really good. Okay, now Hendrickson's a guy who, he's, he's 26 years old. Okay, this is his fourth year in the league. Coming into this year was was not a guy. I mean, he only had six and a half sacks in three seasons. So this has been a breakout season for him. And and it, you know, as our friend uh, Therese Paler likes to say, the contract year is undefeated. Uh, and it, it proves again once more to be undefeated. So that's something that she's gonna have to worry about. Now, I and I will say, <laughs> if there's one deep-seated concern I have right now, it's the defensive ends going against what's basically uh, Patrick and I uh, currently with the injury report at tackle. Not great. Like, they need Fisher and Remmers to play in this game. Because I'm not saying this to be funny. I don't even know who the tackles would be. Like, Mitchell Schwartz is eligible to come off IR. My, you know, but, but everything here is that that's not likely to happen. If not now, maybe not for a while. So, I don't, I, I don't even know who they'd play. Like, Martinez Rankin? Well, I I would think would be one of them, and then and then Yasir uh, Durant, who played uh, in Miami, and frankly was very overmatched. That would not be good. I'll tell you right now, if Fisher and Rivers don't play in this game, you're going to see more quick passes than you've ever seen in your life because they are not going to let Mahomes get hit in this game, especially in a game they don't have to win. Yeah. But that's the only thing that really worries me with the Saints defense. Dem- uh, Demario Davis is an All Pro linebacker, very good player, 91 tackles, four sacks. He can play. Um, Marshawn Lattimore is an excellent corner. The rest of their their secondary, though, is kind of, eh, it's okay. Um, Safeties are decent, but she should be able to throw on them. 
it's mostly about for me it's about the the pass rush off the edges especially with how the chiefs are banged up please be careful throwing out the name demario because when you do that i start thinking about demario williams and that chiefs oh team God, that's not something i want to think about yeah he's 40 I, years I, old they could still play i think you could, i think you could probably uh give give some teams some snaps in the league the way some we've some, seen some defenses this year um so let's get to our keys to the game okay we've, we've already talked about a few so i've got three number one is contain Alvin kamara and try to keep Taysom hill in the pocket this is all for the run game right do your best on kamara try to take him out of the game keep hill in the pocket number two force hill to throw the ball outside the numbers He's got a very high completion percentage in most of his game, completing over 70% of his passes. Doesn't always throw a lot, but that's because if he can't dump it off over the middle or take the occasional deep shot, he's tucking the ball and running. Yes. And then number three is establish an early lead. This is not a team the Chiefs want to fall behind and let them just tee off. They are very good in run defense. It's the best part of their defense. This is probably not a game going to be a game like the Bills where we get surprised and the Chiefs just come out and run all over this team. They're probably going to be similar game plan to what they used against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, only running occasionally to keep them off balance. So if the Chiefs can get up early and then keep their foot on the gas and force Taysom Hill to throw the ball, I think they're going to be fine. All right, Vertoram, what are your keys to this game? So number one, keep Mahomes clean because – I don't know what the situation is to tackle, but I don't even care if it means losing. You you cannot get him killed in this game. Doesn't matter. You don't have to win it. For anyone who keeps who might be wondering why I'm saying that, look, for the one seed, even if Pittsburgh wins out, all the Chiefs have to do is split the two NFC games they have coming up and beat the Chargers. That's it. Because they win it on common games tiebreaker. It doesn't matter. Now, Sure, you'd love to win every game you play because then you know you could clinch earlier or some things happen. It gives you a safety net if you lose to Atlanta for some reason at home. But by all means, like I'm not remotely exaggerating when I say if they're getting if there's no protection for him, I I would yank him out of the game. Like I really would. If they're in the middle of the second quarter and they can't block anybody, I'd be like, you know what, Chad Henney, earn your money. I don't care. We'll lose by 50 points, if that's what it means, makes no difference. But to get back to it, keys to the game, look, you got you got to be able to block. If that means keeping a tight end in, fine. If that means keeping a back in, fine. Okay, that's number one. I think if they do that, their offense will move the ball. Number two, keep Hill in the pocket. We already talked about this. We've gone, we've gone in on detail, but keep him in the pocket. And then number three, win the battle of the penalties because the Chiefs take a lot of them, but the Saints – Again, have committed the most yardage, uh, or have committed for the most yardage against. You maybe maybe you have a 50, 60 yard advantage in this game. That's huge against another good team. So, I look at that, and then and then lastly, and again we talked about it. I think it even goes without saying, you've got to limit Kamara in this game. You have to, and I'm more worried about him as a pass catcher. Quite honestly, you've got to limit that. It cannot be one of these things where he's just flinging himself out of the backfield and, and the Chiefs can't tackle him and he's running down the sideline. And that is a concern I have because Kansas City defensively has been kind of weird this year. Good some games, not so good in other games. This has been a theme we've talked about. Okay, 
one thing that has been a problem for them, missed tackles this year. Okay. If you look now, they've gotten better. They have gotten better. They are, they are, let me see here. They are ninth in the league, 96 missed tackles, ninth most. For most of the year, they were around two or three in the league. They have finally, finally started to drop in those rankings, but it's just no week to go the other direction. You got to make your tackles. By the way, ironically, the team with the most missed tackles, the Ravens. Something to throw out there. How about that? All right, we're going to get to our game predictions in just a minute, but let's dive in a little bit deeper into that AFC playoff race. As you said on last week's game preview podcast, it was moving day uh, on Sunday and Monday night for the AFC playoffs. And boy, that that Browns-Ravens game was very, very pivotal because the, the Ravens don't play anybody the rest of the way. Um, nope. uh, and they're probably going to win out. But they're still on the outside looking in. So here are your AFC playoff standings right now. Chiefs have the one seed at 12 and one. The Pittsburgh Steelers come in at number two. They're 11 and two. The Buffalo Bills at 10 and three are the three seed. And then you've got your, your, your row of nine and four teams. Titans are the four seed at nine and four. The Browns are the five seed at nine and four. AFC North is out of the picture for them now. And the Colts are the six seed at nine and four. Then that last playoff spot right now, is held by the Miami Dolphins, who are eight and five. And, and the Ravens are the eight seed. They're on the outside looking at eight and five. And that is because the Dolphins have a better record in the AFC than the Ravens. So let's start with the Ravens. We know that they're probably not going to lose again. There's an outside wild chance that some Minshew magic or something, if he ends up starting more games in, in, in Jacksonville, they could beat them. But otherwise, Baltimore's not losing. So in, nope. in the scenario for Baltimore to make the playoffs, tell me, tell me, I was playing around with the playoff machine this morning. The Colts and Dolphins have to win out. Is that correct? So you're saying for the Ravens not to get in? Yes. That, yes, would be, well, and, and the Browns. I think, I, I think the Colts would have to win out, the Dolphins would have to win out, the Browns would have to win out. That's right. That's right. Because um, Cleveland is nine and four. Did I get Baltimore's I'm, record wrong when I wrote that down? Baltimore's eight and five. Eight and five. My apologies. And by the way, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna toss this out there as breaking news. Uh, those three teams are not all gonna win out, and Baltimore is. So Baltimore is gonna be in the playoffs. Yeah, I uh, I forget who everybody's playing. The 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 Browns have a a really tough game against the Steelers that they're gonna need to win to make sure that they get in. Um, I think my, I think Indianapolis has a tough game. I can't recall who it is that they're going to play. So, I believe because I'm, I'm a total, total geek with this stuff. I actually know them all off the top of my head. So Indianapolis home to Houston this weekend should win at Pittsburgh week 16 home to Jacksonville week 17. So the Colts could, but they got the tough game against Pittsburgh. Miami has a brutal schedule. Home to, the, home to New England this week, which doesn't sound hard until you remember Bill Belichick's getting a rookie quarterback, and he just absolutely destroys every rookie quarterback he faces. Then they're at the Raiders, at the Bills. Good luck. They're not going undefeated. The Browns at the Giants, at the Jets, home to the Steelers. And if you're wondering about the Ravens, home to, home to Jacksonville, home to the Giants at Cincinnati. They're not losing again. Yeah, the Steelers actually—they've got two tough games coming up. They do. 
they, they're going to they're going to steamroll the Bengals uh, feel good game for them next week. And uh, then after Christmas, they've got to play the Colts, who are no joke that they could very easily. That was if they had gotten by the Bills, that was the game on my list that I thought that they might still lose. And then they have to play the Browns in Cleveland. And I'll tell you, I haven't been a huge believer in the Browns this year. They've also benefited from an easy schedule. And we know Baltimore is flawed. They really impressed me on Monday Night Football. Baker Mayfield still mistake prone. He threw a really costly interception that basically cost him that game. But I mean, Cody Parkey hits his field goal. It doesn't miss an extra point. And the Browns win that game. So, and, and keep in mind that the Ravens, the, the Browns team earlier in the season, they've got a new head coach. They're getting a new system in. They got steamrolled by both the Ravens and the Steelers earlier in the year. They took the Ravens in a game the Ravens had to have to the absolute brink. So both that Colts game and the Browns game, I could you see the Pittsburgh Steelers finishing with four losses? Uh, yeah, I mean, I could. I could. I think they're gonna. I gonna. I think they will finish. If I can say this, thirteen and three. I think they're going to split the Indy Cleveland games. Um, now, here's one thing that is really unlikely, really unlikely, but it's possible and it's interesting. And I want to make sure I get this 100% right. If the Steelers, Bills, and Chiefs all finish with the exact same record, the Bills are the one seed. How about that? Something to keep in mind. Now, to get there, the Chiefs would have to lose two or three. Um, and the Steelers would have to lose a game because the Bills, obviously, the best they can go is 13 3. So the Bills would have to theoretically win all their games. Um, and then, and then you'd have to get to, uh, you know, a, a very bizarre scenario. Okay. But that, that is, that is the uh, reality. And the reason being, Okay, and the Chiefs would be the second seed, by the way, in that scenario. Pittsburgh would be the three. It would be based on strength of victory. Now, you might be saying to yourself, well, the Chiefs beat the Bills, but what the hell? If you have a three-way tiebreaker, head-to-head tiebreakers only matter if you win over both the other teams. The Chiefs didn't play the Steelers. It then goes to conference record. All the same conference record in that theory. And, you know, so it goes on and on and on. It's a weird, weird scenario. Like, I get it. It's odd. I know. And I'm just, I'm kind of tossing it out more for fun than anything else. Like, I'm sure that it won't matter. But I'm just saying that that, that is the reality. Now, I should mention this, actually, um, because it, there is one other component to this. The Chiefs' loss would have to come to the Chargers. They'd have to lose to the Chargers in that scenario. Because then otherwise, the Chiefs would still win out on conference record. So as long as it, to put everybody's fears at ease, as long as the Chiefs beat the Chargers, uh, and, and and win one of these other games, they're in as a one seed no matter what. Even if they lost both NFC games and beat the Chargers, uh, as long as the Steelers lost one other game, any of their games, the Chiefs would still be the one. But it just it's just the point I'm trying to illustrate. There's a lot of moving parts, and you know what makes it all better? If the Chiefs just win their games, and right. don't have to worry about no any stuff. No right. tiebreakers. Right. They're in the driver's seat. I, so there's some funky it, stuff in there. It is a lot. to Look, we're asking them to go 15 and one. That's not. We're asking them to go 14 and two, really. Win one of the next two. Sure. sure. Beat the Chargers. 
Right. Yeah. But to control their destiny and not have to worry about what Pittsburgh does or anything like that. Right. Went out, you're good. You got a well, game. Again, a game no, I'm not trying to. If they win one of their next two and they beat the Chargers, it doesn't matter what anybody else does. Right. Yeah. Makes no difference. Yeah. The Chargers um, also, game is the game they can't lose. Correct. Now, now there is, if the Bills were to lose, um, let me just make sure I'm right with this. So if, if the Chiefs, okay, right. If the Chiefs win one of their next two games, New Orleans or Atlanta makes no difference. And Pittsburgh were to lose technically either to Cincy or to Indianapolis. Indianapolis, of course, would be much more likely. The Chiefs would clinch the one seed before they even got to week 17. Because at that point, the Steelers, um, just to make sure I'm right with that, the Chiefs would have, what, they'd be 13-2. and two. Uh, The Steelers would be – and I guess the Bills – the Bills would have to also lose once in there. You know what the hell with it? Just win one of the next two NFC games, and be because I don't want to. I know people are probably like, "What?" Look, there's a lot of different things. But if, if they the, win if one the, of the next two and they beat the Chargers, they're the one seed. If the Chiefs win the next two, then they're and the Steelers lose to like the Colts, then they could be in a situation in Week 17 where they're trying to Correct. figure out whether or not yes. they should play. Buffalo would be eliminated at that point. Yep. Now in that situation knowing that if they had the one seed locked up and they're going into this week 17 game against the chargers, how do you feel about resting these guys during that game for the whole game and then have them having two weeks off and then having to play a pretty good team in the divisional round? Yeah. There's so much that goes into these decisions. I would personally, I'd play the starters for about a quarter and get them out of the game. I wouldn't play in the whole game. I remember when the Pats did that God, it has to be 10, 12 years ago now. They played a game in Houston that was meaningless. Week 17 meant nothing. They were the one seed. They locked everything up, and Welker blew his knee out. And it cost them. They didn't even get the Super Bowl that year. Um, I, I would I would play guys for a couple of series and get them out. And I don't. And I'll go on the record. I'd have no problem if they didn't play him at all. I'd have no because to me, like the Chiefs are just so talented. I get the whole rust factor. Ah, I think they'd be fine. You know, I really do. Like, I, I don't think it would really matter. Um, you know, but I also get if you want to play him a series, maybe a quarter. I wouldn't play him the whole game. I wouldn't play him. I'd get him the hell out of there. Could you imagine yeah. if they played him and Kelsey got hurt or Hill right. got hurt or Mahal? I mean, I, I'm sorry. You That has to be something you factor in heavily. I wouldn't play him for much more than, you know, a couple drives at most. Three weeks without a game is a long time. It you is. know, it is a long time, but yeah. Then do you think about the alternative of like, okay, so maybe the thing is with this team, if they come out rusty for a, a quarter, even, even a half, they could still win. So it may be something that you just want to live with. But if you, if you do send them out there, I'm going max protect to, I'm telling Mahomes don't, don't let anybody get within two yards of you. And, uh, and we're going to do a quarter and then that's it. Um, just to keep you, just to have you go through the ritual and get out on the field and take a couple hits and that's it. All right, let's get to it. Time for game predictions. I'll lead us off this time. Uh, I think this is going to be a close game. I just, the way the Chiefs have been playing recently I, I and the Saints defense and all those things on the road, I think the Chiefs will be up for it, but I'm, I'm going to go Chiefs 27, Saints 24. So the same score as the Tampa game, but uh, much less fun early on. I think it's going to be a nail biter. What about you, Verderam? So, I think it's close. Uh, what was the score you gave? 
I'm going 27, uh, Chiefs 27, Saints 24. Okay. Uh, 31-27, Kansas City. I think, I think it's going to be a very, very good game. I will say this. I could see a scenario where Kansas City blows them out if Taysom Hill plays. I could see a game where the Chiefs get up early in the game and Hill can't throw the ball effectively and it just turns into the Chiefs just up and down the field. I, I don't think that happens. I think the Chiefs win a tight game. I think it's interesting. I also have to pick a tight game because the Chiefs just do not blow teams out anymore. Every game, it feels like, is, is within a, a score and you're, you're fretting all the way to the end. I, yeah, 31-27 for me feels right. Yeah, I very much could see. I was thinking a lot about the the Tampa game, and I really hope that our theory about this team just really getting up for games comes true and they come out and that early on in this one and they do exactly what they did to Tampa. It's shock and awe. Andy dusts off some fun plays from the playbook. Saints don't know what hit them, and the next thing they know, they're down 24 to three, and Taysom Hill's chucking the ball over the place and getting picked right. off. Um, all right, we're going to wrap it up for today. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You know all those places that you get your podcasts. We're there. Please leave us those reviews over on Apple Podcasts, as, as you heard at the top of the show. We like to read them. We like to answer any questions you leave us in those written reviews on Apple Podcasts. So head on over there, ask us some questions, and you'll probably hear us answering them on next week's podcast. You can follow us on Twitter. Matt is it at Matt Verderam. Make sure you read Matt's column, Stacking the Box, on fanside.com. Every week he's got a lot of other great columns that come out Tuesday, Wednesday. Quarterback rankings, power rankings, statistical columns. Eat it all up. There's a lot of other great NFL content over there as well. You can follow me if you want. Uh, I'm at R. Patrick Allen on Twitter. And please follow Matt Connor, the lead expert at Arrowhead Attic. He's at, at Matt Connor AA. And of course, make sure you follow at Arrowhead Attic. We will be back on Sunday night to wrap up Chief Saints for hopefully Kansas City's 13th win of the year. They are the AFC West champions. So thank you for listening. We'll see you on Sunday. And as always, go Chiefs. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.